Well, welcome. Glad you're here on a happy Father's Day, all you fathers out there. Be sure you enjoy the, uh, the dad's root beer and the, uh, the hot sticks. Jason had a wonderful idea beforehand. We just weren't able to pull it together. His, his idea was what we should have done is uh, lined everybody up and had a hot stick and root beer drinking contests for, the, for like five dads, just pull them up. Eat, eat the entire hot stick and then chug the root beer. Whoever can hold it down for more than, what, 30 seconds would probably be the winner at that point. No, but we want to, I'm, I'm excited to talk about, I'm excited to talk about dads today. Um, everyone say this with me. Say, my heavenly father, my heavenly father is not like my earthly father. And I'm sure a lot of us, you know, whenever we hear the word dad or we think of the word father, there's a lot of images that immediately come to mind. You know, it might be your own personal dad, your own personal here, or, you know, stepdad, or the person that was the father figure in your life. You know, but what's interesting is whether or not we had a, a biological dad that we knew, we always ascribe that fatherly role to someone in our lives. It always happens. And, you know, sometimes what will happen is we maybe, maybe we'll take some, we'll take some references from, you know, <laughs> some pop culture or some iconic fathers, you know, that you see, you know, like, hey, here, here you go, here you go, right? So you have, you have some examples of some pretty bad dads, like Darth Vader, right? <laughs> I mean, talk about the, the, the chief absentee father, and then whenever you finally decide to reconcile with your son, that's only after you have him at the point of death and you've cut off his hand. And it's, hey, either join my squad or this is it, man. I mean, like, not maybe, I mean, I know, yeah, you say, oh, you made up for it in the end. Yeah, you know what, I'm sure Luke had a lot of talking with Yoda on some personal workings through some uh, grief there that we didn't see in the movies. You know, but, so you got, you got Darth Vader, but then you have, but I mean, the, the, the story of bad dads goes way, way, way back. You go look at the Greek mythology, Kronos, you know, the, the, the Greek god that was before Zeus, you know, Kronos, you talk about a dad, ooh, he was afraid that his children were going to overtake him, so he did the only logical thing, he ate his kids. Yeah, I mean, right, <laughs> way to go, dad, woo, you know, two extremes, but you know, then, then, then there's like the joking references of like someone like Homer Simpson, you know, who, who has the, the great coin phrase of, you know, when his, his, his daughter tells him, well, we, dad, we have to try, and his response is, well, well, Lisa, trying is the first step to failing. I mean, great advice, Dad. And then you got people like, you, you, this is, I know this is old, but I remember watching these reruns as a kid. Do you remember All in the Family? Archie Bunker? I mean, are we even allowed to talk about dads like that nowadays? I don't think we are, right? You know, but if, if you look, then there's some really great references of dads, you know, you have through, through, through history, too. You know, uh, one of my favorite, uh, favorite holiday movies, uh, It's a Wonderful Life. You got George, George Bailey, right? What a, what a story of just the human experience. And a man, who, a man who was on the brink of taking everything that this world had and putting it as more important than his family, he realizes the most important thing that he has is his family. Didn't matter... And I love, I love that epiphany moment whenever he comes into his house and he's like, this old gust, what is he said, this gusty house and this drafty house he goes through and he's naming all the faults and he doesn't care because he has his family. Man, what a great example of reminding, you know, even for, for families to remember, man, my dad is important for fathers as an example of, man, what, 
My family is more important than anything else. You know, one that impacted me personally is, uh, you ever read the book uh, To Kill a Mockingbird? Atticus Finch. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, I, still, I still to this day remember reading that book in high school, and then, or not high school, but in elementary school, and then we watched the movie. And the, the, the portrayal of Atticus Finch, I mean, just a family man, loved his kids. And then what he stood up for. Justice in a time of severe injustice. And I think there's, there's some correlation that we can take from that today. You know, and I'll even encourage you, parents, if, if your parents, read the book with your kids. Because it is an, it's a marvelous story to tell. Amen. And you know what? That was a fictional dad, but you know what? It inspired, I mean, even in the, in the legal sense, there's, there were groups set up. Atticus' Circle, you know, which is a group of lawyers that focus on injustice in the legal system based on race. I mean, it, it, it's a marvelous example. And I still remember, like, the image, it's, like, burned into my head of, in the movie where Atticus has his kids come up and they're sitting on his lap and he's just talking to them. And I was like, oh, man, it just feels so good to watch. You know, and I just, another dad that I want to point out is my dad. Yeah, right. <laughs> Obviously, he didn't take the path of Kronos, you know. <laughs> I have two hands, so he's better than Darth Vader, too. <laughs> no, but my dad, I mean, in a moment of bragging here, my, my dad made me who I am. You know, he was I, outstanding. He, he taught me whenever it was time to teach me things, and he knew the balance of where it was time to let me learn on my own. I mean, he, he, he guided me to God, and I think that's an important thing to point out. It was never a this is God, you will believe in God, you don't have any choice about this, this is how it works. He let me see who God was through his own actions, and I wanted to be part of that because of it. He was a godly example to me. And the, the words of advice and just even just how he is, the Spirit of God worked through him and speaking to my life, I, I wouldn't be where I am without him. So I, I just wanted to brag on you just for a moment. And I just you know, give you honor because it's, it's definitely due. It's definitely due. And there are a few things, a few things that he, he also taught me. He taught me that the Ogles are uh, they're terrible at basketball. Jason, that was a total fluke, man. <laughs> we, Jason and I played his daughters who both play basketball in a, in a 2v2 game, and we won by all of, like, one point. <laughs> I was, but we won. That's right. The W was there, and that's all that matters. He taught me that the Ogles are good at swimming, and that the Ogles are absolutely deadly when it comes to dirt bikes. <laughs> uh, if you don't know the story, my dad got on a dirt bike and then proceeded uh, promptly to find the first 15-foot uh, cliff to drive straight off of it. <laughs> Cracked his femur. It was, a, it was a good one. I learned my lesson. I've never been on a dirt bike since. Oh, no. But we want to talk about today our dads, our, our dad and our heavenly father. And I think the one thing that I want to keep bear in mind for us is that our perspective of what we've picked up as a dad from our dads or from other people's dads or the fatherly figures in our lives, without us knowing it, we will ascribe the perspective and those characteristics that we have received from those humans to our heavenly father. And I think the danger is, is a lot of times we'll do that without even knowing it. We do it without 
realizing that we're actually doing it. And we do this. I know that I do this. It's a tough, it's an easy thing to say, but it's another thing to catch. And you know, good, bad, good or bad, here's what I want us to understand today. Our Heavenly Father is better than the bad dad perspective that we have, but he's also far greater than the good dad perspective that we have. And it's a little bit arrogant on our part to assign a human characteristic to a heavenly being. He is the perfect father. You know what, here let me give you, in our first scripture that we want to look at today, it's in Ephesians 4, 6. Um, try, I want to get through us pretty, through today pretty quick, and hopefully, hopefully we can get out just a little bit early so we can enjoy that afternoon. And I, I mean, I, I don't know if any of you dads are like me. It's like, well, what do you want to do for, for Father's Day? Nothing. I'm going to have a meal. I want to be in a food coma, and I'm going to do nothing. What about those home projects? Yeah, that's not nothing. Do you want to go for a walk? Also not nothing. <laughs> nothing. So, in, in interest of in making sure that we have plenty of time to do nothing, our first scripture today, Ephesians 4, 6. I'm going to read out of the English Standard. It says, One God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. Man, that's what it says. <laughs> But you know what? Here's the thing, though. It's easy to read that and be like, man, that's, that's pretty good. God's good. That's a lot. That's a lot. But whenever we start to break it down and you start to really think about the fatherly perspective that God has for us, sometimes we have to really, we have to take some time to concentrate on it. And that's what I want us to do today. It says, one God and Father of all. Is there any divisions of that? Male, female? No, certainly not. Any divisions out of, out of race there? Certainly not. Not even the least. It says the father of all. And I love it because it says also in the Bible that God does not show impartiality. Everyone's, it's like God says, I love them all equal. And he wasn't kidding. You know? But then it says that he is also, it says that he is through everything. Through all. That means everything you go through in your life, God is right there with you whether you feel it or not. How many of you know your feelings can shape your perspective pretty quick? Right? And how many of you know perspective is also kind of a fickle thing? You know, your experiences, whether you, whether you realize it or not, your experiences paint a really real picture for you in your life of how you carry it out. You know, just to, just to share with this, you know, um, whenever, uh, man, I was, I was really young, but my dad, I remember growing up, uh, the Jacksons were, were, friends of, were friends of his, and the Jacksons in Butler, lived in Butler. Uh, they were an African-American family, and I always remember as a kid, my dad would be going over to his house to do work and work on their house, and I would go over, and I'd you know, play with their kid, and then they would come over, and they would do work, working on the backyard. I still remember the picture of, of you, <laughs> the two of you guys, arm in arm, building that little retaining wall. And then there's, there's, there's us throwing stones at it, you know? <laughs> but you know what? My, my, my dad, my parents gave me the perspective that, you know what? There, there was, uh, color meant nothing. It was, we're all people. And so for me growing up, I never thought a second thing about it. And in fact, growing up then, 
we had a family move in that was across the street from us, and they were an African-American family, and I played with them. It was my friend Doug. In fact, I got to see him a few, a few years ago. I met him. I was so happy to see him. But you know what? I played with him. I never thought anything of it. Racism wasn't a thing that even entered my mind as being something to even consider. And why was that? Well, there was the perspective from my father given to me. The example that he gave to me shaped my reality. And I still remember the first time that I encountered racism. I thought at first it was a joke. I thought it was, it was some, a friend of mine, his older brother. And the things that he was saying, I thought, well, is he kidding? And then after, he kept saying stuff, and I thought, he's really, he's really trying to be mean about this. Like, and in my mind, it was like, well, why would he do that? It didn't make any sense to me at all. And you know, it's funny, as I look back from that, I realize that his, that was my friend's older brother, but my friend, I noticed that whenever I would go play with Doug, my friend would never join us. It makes you think, I wonder if that was a perspective given to them by their father. A terrible perspective. An absolutely vile perspective. But what we receive from our fathers, our earthly fathers, it does. It influences the way we think. Just in the same way for me, the thought of racism didn't never even enter my mind. In fact, whenever I encountered it, I didn't even know what, the, what it was. I didn't understand why you would do that. But for the other family, it was something that was ingrained in, in them. Our perspectives matter. And God wants us to do is he wants us to change our perspective to take it off of these earthly things and put it on to him as a good, loving, heavenly father. Whenever he says that he is through all, he isn't kidding. Just because you don't feel it, or boy, I don't even know what it would be like to have a father with me through everything that I'm going through in my life. The heavenly father says, you need to change your mind. I am through all. I am here. It says that he is over all. That means he has, an eye, he has that point of view that he is able to see everything working throughout our life. You know, sometimes we, we, we want to get mad at God and we say, well, God, you didn't answer my prayer. I didn't understand. Or I didn't under, why, didn't, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you come through for me? You know, it, it's, a, it's a crazy thing whenever you don't have the overall perspective of really what is happening. Sometimes whenever you're in the thick of it, you don't see what's going on. I'll share a, I'll share a funny story with this. So... Um, Whenever I was a teenager, I, our, our youth group would go paintballing, right? If you've ever gone paintballing, paintballing is a ton of fun. You know, there's, it's fun to, you know, to get out there, just shoot some of your friends. And the, and the thing about paintballing is different than laser tag. You feel the paintballs. Like, you are acutely aware of whenever you've been shot. You know, most of the time, people can't be like, just hide it. Oh, I'm not out. No, you see them, you see them react to being hit. You know they're out, right? So my first experience that we played paintball, man, I... I, I, it must have been just a fluke. I did amazing. Like, and so, of course, I am living on, I'm flying high, man. I mean, like, I was, I was part of capturing the objectives, you know, every time. You know, I always had a, a higher kill count. You know, I may have got out, but I took three guys out, you know, ahead of time. So here, here's, here's what happens. I have this, so I'm starting to get this perspective. I must be really good at paintball, right? <laughs> so we go again, okay? In the first game we play, sure enough, like, same thing. Oh my gosh, I did so well that first game. I was part of capturing the flag. So here comes the second round. And you know, the paintball is done out in the woods. In the second round, I mean, at this point, I mean, you might as well just put, you might as well just put the tag on me, John Rambo. Right? 
So we're gearing up for the second round, you know, and it's in the, in the woods, and I'm thinking, you know, okay, everyone's going to the side. Well, I, 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 I'm just going to go ahead and capture the flag myself. I'm just going to sneak around to the back and come in from the backside on it, right? So I am ready to go. I'm flying high. My whole perspective that I've given myself is that I'm going to do great no matter what. So, you know, of course, they start the match, you know, in my mind, in my head, I'm hearing the drums of war go, you know, and I'm, I, I, I tie the red bandana around my head, you know, take off my shirt. No, just kidding. <laughs> Do not ever play paintball without a shirt. You will pay a price that you're not interested in paying. No, so my idea is, is, you know, I start to go out into the field, and so as I, as I start to press up onto the side, there's, and of course they put all these cool obstacles out on the field, and there's this big mound that they built up. So as I'm coming up to the mound, I realize I'm thinking there's two people behind it because they start to shoot at me, and I shoot back, and well, what do I hear? I hear girls' voices from back there. And so in my mind, I think, oh, I know who that is. I knew their names. They're the ones that just don't want to get shot. So they, rather than put them up in the front where they're going to get hit, they, they, they just threw them over to the side. Play, just play defense. You won't get hit back here. So I'm thinking, oh, I got this. I got this. And in, the, in the, the paintball game, there was a rule. If you were within six feet of somebody, you had to have a mask on and cough into your arm. No. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I already see the YouTube comments on this one. Um, no, but if you were within six feet of someone, you could call out surrender if you had the drop on them. And obviously, that was kind of like a mercy, mercy kill, so you didn't shoot someone from six feet away, because if you shoot someone with a, if, if you're a blade, you get shot from within six feet, there, there's probably going to be blood involved at that point. So in my mind, I'm thinking, well, okay, over on the side, there's this dry creek bed, and I'll army crawl that creek bed, and it leads right around to the side of that little mound. They'll be able to come right back and call them surrender, and they're, they're, they're not going to want to get shot, so they're just going to surrender. You know, so, you know, here it goes, you know, I, again, the <laughs> drums of war beating in my head. I'm I'm army crawling through that creek bed. I'm going for it. And I finally get to the point where, like, I'm ready. This is it. This is it. I got this. I got this. I can't see him yet, but, like, I'm right the way the dirt was built up. So I get up, and I come around. And as I come around to it, I probably got out the first syllable of the word surrender. And immediately, my, my entire perspective changed as I got to the other side of that mound because there weren't two people. There were five people there. <laughs> And the other thing that I was wrong of, I just assumed, I just assumed, well, I'm just going to call out surrender. They don't want to get shot. Well, the, the, the word surrender didn't even get out of my mouth. And now we're working with semi-automatic paintball guns, right? So as I come around and it's surrender, and I am already just boom, but I'm just, I am getting lit up, Right? And of course, you know, at this point, like, I'm just like trying to like shoot at the same time because, you know, I mean, like. John Rambo never misses, man. He's like, and everybody's gone, you know? The entire front's out. So I return fire, and finally, whenever I have reached my pain threshold, it's like, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. And I look at them, I go, well, did I get any of you? One person I hit. <laughs> I paid the price for my, my perspective of me being the greatest paintball player in the world. Quickly changed that day in round two, and I realized that reality was quite different than what I thought it was. But this is an unusual, and we do this with our lives. We assume that somebody else's experience is going to be like our experience. We assume that the way that our dad treated us 
is going to be similar to how God is going to treat us. We assume that all the good things that we saw on how somebody else's parents treated them, that that was it. Somebody else's parents were better than our parents. And I wish, and I wish, and I wish. Wishing gives you false perspective. Because our Father is better than all this. It says that our Father is in all in that verse. That means that He is in us. That means that as we go throughout our life, He is with us at every single moment that we go through. And my perspective needs to change that I need to realize that my God is full of love that I didn't do anything to merit. In fact, He is so full of love that He gave His Son to die for me before I even cared about Him. Now, me being a father, I have two kids. I love my kids. Oh my gosh, I love my kids. But I'm going to be, I'm going to be real honest with you. I, you know, like, I love you guys too, but if someone said, hey, 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 you could save everyone else, all you got to do is just, you got to give up your kids. You gotta, you get, they need to die for everybody else. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Tough call, but it's my kids. Right? right? But that level of love, and, and like, I, I know we joke about it, but it's like another, it's another thing just to say it, but if it's like, no, if it really came down to it, there's not even a choice. It's, it's not even a choice. See you later, everybody else. My kids are staying. That love was put inside of me by my Heavenly Father. That wasn't just something that I came up with. That love that, the heavenly, that, I, that I have for my kids is a fraction of what my Heavenly Father had toward Jesus, His Son. And He was willing to give up His Son so that all the people in the world the people that did love God, legitimately trying to seek God, would have an opportunity to be with Him. But also the people that utterly hated God would have an opportunity. That's, I think, the, the hard thing, the perspective to understand. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ on the cross, in the middle of being crucified, what did He say? Father, forgive them. <laughs> I don't I mean, that, 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 that perspective of love I don't care how big of a skeptic you are. I'm sorry. A statement of love like that is hard to just wash away. And God loves you as much as he loved Jesus. In fact, the beautiful thing is, is because of what Jesus said, God sees you the same way he sees Jesus. So if you want a perspective of how good God is as a father, think about it. How would God treat Jesus right now? And whatever you could, what, the best, I mean, you're probably going to think of the best case scenario out of it. Well, God's going to come through for him. Guess what? That's the same for you. That's the perspective we need to have. Amen. Again, it's an easy thing to say. It's another thing to recognize. And it's even harder to put into place. In 1 John 3, 1, man, this is a great, great scripture. 1 John 3, 1, it says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. You know, whenever I think of the word lavished, I think of like someone that's going to like, whenever you, you have, you're going up to go paint, and it's like one of those paint by numbers, right? 
And like, instead of just staying within the lines on the paint by number, you're just all over. That's what I feel like God's love, whenever it says he lavished his love on us, it's like, oh, you're not just going to get what you can contain. You're getting so much more on top of it. And it's true. It says, what a great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Not just his creation, not just his pet project. Children of God. The way that God sees Jesus Christ is the exact way he sees you. The moment you ask Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, the moment you do that, God's entire view of you is totally changed. That's why I think Paul used the words to describe we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. It's like you weren't even close to the same living being before Christ. It's something totally new. Why? Because the Father of all now is in you and sees you as his child and will treat you the same way that he would treat Jesus with the same love, the same provision. That's good. Oh my, that's a, that's a lot to think about. It's a lot to think about. But let's finish the verse. It says that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. And I think this is a great thing of perspective of the world doesn't know how good of a father God is. For that case, they can't even understand it. That's why they can't connect with it. But I think sometimes for us as Christians, we carry that over. We carry over the hurts that we had from our dads. No dad is perfect. Except Steve Ogle. No, no, just kidding. I'm not perfect as a father. I've had to apologize to my children. I've had to recognize whenever I have not done things the right way. None of us are perfect. So it's a hard perspective sometimes to assign of, well, God is perfect. God is perfect. But I think if I encourage you, start imagining your heavenly Father, the way that God would... Imagine in your situation, what if Jesus were in this situation? How, what would God do for him? It's the same thing God would do for you. There's no difference in how he sees you than he sees Jesus. He is that good of a father. But you know, I think Jesus fought this. If you read, if you look through the Bible, Jesus was continually fighting with this misplaced perspective of who God is all the time. Whenever he came to earth, you have the Pharisees. He was trying to change their perspective from God being this petty, cruel taskmaster that wanted you to accomplish all these set rules, otherwise you couldn't please him. Jesus had a hard time with them. To help them understand, look, yes, God has rules that have to be in place, but God is a loving Father. And Jesus, if you notice, Jesus was most upset with them whenever he dealt with people. Why? Because I think about it. It's almost like, you ever get to that point? You're not, that's not how my dad is. My dad's not like that. All of a sudden, you get pretty defensive. Sometimes we forget Jesus had that same connection with God as a father. Jesus was out defending his dad. That's not how my dad is. 
And he got really harsh with them sometimes. Why? Because he wanted to make it clear, you guys have no clue who he is. He's not like that at all. You know, the general public, they all thought that the return of the return of the return of uh, the next king of Israel was going to restore it back to the way it was with King David. We're going to go back to the old kingdom. And Jesus had to help them understand, guys, it, no, 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 it's going to be a different kingdom altogether. It's not like that at all. God's, God's plan, your perspective is out of place here. You guys are thinking one thing, it's going to be something totally different. I got to help you. I, and so Jesus, you see, that's why he taught in parables. Why? He said, I want you to leave the concrete and I want you to think beyond it and understand something different. Yep. You know, a group of, the, the, of those, that public were the zealots. The zealots, man, they were ready, they were ready to, to take back the kingdom of Israel through force. You know, you even see in the, in, the, in the Bible, the sons of thunder, James and John, where the one, they go to the one town and people rejected Jesus. They didn't listen to him. They didn't accept, accept him. And what was their response? Hey, uh, should we call fire out of heaven and consume them all? Hey, let's get, let's, let's get this going. And Jesus, so loving, guys, you, you, I'm paraphrasing, but that, that, that's not what we're here to do. But again, those people that had that perspective, teaching them that, look, the warfare that you're going to be taking on now is not a physical warfare. There's a different kind of warfare that you need to be concerned about, and it's in your hearts. And that's what Jesus wanted to understand, because he knew that whenever his death, was, his death and resurrection occurred, the warfare of Christians, the people that followed him, would be different. It's not fighting the outside. It's fighting the war within. But it was hard for people to understand that perspective. I want to show just a few, a, a few words, if we could put the next uh, slide up. Got six words there. Gentle, harsh, loving, stern, disapproving, and kind. And if you think about this, you could just take a look at it and think, I'll ask you the question, which words would you ascribe to your earthly father? If you had to pick those. I'm sure that a few of them you could pull out right away, and I'm sure that as soon as you saw that word and I asked you that question, you immediately associated it with a memory that you had. Or maybe it's a collective grouping of memories that you had. But what we have to do is whenever we identified that and ascribed that to our Father, we have to realize that our Heavenly Father is not like our dads. And we have to be careful that we don't lump God into the same things that we lump our earthly fathers in, good or bad. Let me give you an example of perspective here. For the word gentle, our God, without a doubt, is gentle. I love the scripture in Isaiah where it says, a smoldering wick he will not snuff out and a battered reed he will not break. What does that mean? means, number one, God is understanding of the condition that something is in. He understands the condition you're in. And he understands whenever you feel like you have just a little bit left, you're just hanging on by a thread. You know, I always think of, I always think of, you know, the reeds, I think of the cattails. You know, whenever you break it over and they're just hanging by a couple threads, you know. And I see our father, see maybe our life feels like that broken. 
You know, whenever you lift up that plant, you got to do it gently or else the rest of it pulls off. And our perspective should be that no matter how broken we feel, our Heavenly Father is so gentle to want to come back and restore that back because that's who he is. He won't break it off. He wants to restore that in your life. Our God is an incredibly gentle God. You know what, fathers? He's able to give you a gentle spirit for you to work with your family, for you to work with your kids. And you know, you may say, well, my kids are long gone. They're grown. They're gone and they're in a different path. doesn't matter. It's not a time frame on this. It's not like God says, look, you got 10 years to be a good dad, and then after that, well, I don't know what to tell you. No. Just go back to the, the verse, the smoldering wick. He won't put it out. If there's a chance of restoration, God's gonna, God will always take it. And even when it, here's the thing. God, I love the scripture. It says where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. All the damage that sin has done, there is the other side of the equation is so imbalanced of the amount of grace there is to restore that. That is who our Heavenly Father is. That's good. Amen. What about harsh? I'd say, ooh, yeah, my dad was harsh. You know what? Heavenly Father, he was harsh. Look how Jesus spoke to the Pharisees. Again, but how was Jesus harsh? Jesus attacked the people that were misrepresenting truth. Right. They were telling them that God is not the God that you think he is. He's, some, he's this malevolent God that demands the blood of his creation. No, not at all. That's why Jesus was so harsh with them. There's no, 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 no. Not only does your perspective need to change, but you need to start telling other people that you were wrong. Yeah. Why? Because he was harsh whenever it came to truth. He wanted truth. Amen. He wanted to make sure that truth was in the hearts of people. Because otherwise, they, he knew that their life would be disconnected from his heavenly father. Because they did not have the right perspective. You know, you look at Job, the book of Job, and just to give you the short order of it, Job had some afflictions come onto his life. Job spent a lot of time talking about what he thought it was and why he thought he had it. And he got to the point, he said, I sure would like to talk to God about this matter. God finally shows up. You know, and I, you think of it, it's like, how many of you remember whenever you were a kid, you know, you crossed that line and you heard your dad's footsteps come? And it was just like, you know, you, you figure like, maybe I should run, but you know, if it's run, you run, it's just going to be like 10 times worse, you know, so it's just like, oh, but you know, that feeling of like existential dread, like, oh, this is going to go through my, oh, whenever God shows up in a whirlwind, he shows up and he says, who is this that speaks words that darkens wisdom? God was a little harsh. Hey, your idea about me is not right. I want you to learn truth. I am not the God that you're saying that I am. You're going to find that God will fiercely defend who he is in our hearts if we let him. If we let him. What about loving? I mean, come on, we just read that thing. What, a, what great love he's lavished on us, that he calls us his sons. We didn't even, sons and daughters, are the children of God. We didn't even deserve it, but he gave it to us. What about stern? And you say, my dad was stern, but you know what? The loving, our heavenly father is stern too. Why? Because sometimes, sometimes there's things that we need to know, hey, this is, it's time to take this serious. 
There's no more lollygagging around this. And you know, I, I mean, I, I take it, you know, I mean, we've done it with our kids, like with a hot stove. I mean, whenever you see your kid reaching out for the hot stove, you're like, oh, don't, don't, don't do that. No, it's take a, no, 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 no. Don't ever touch the hot stove. Why? Because you're protecting them and you want them to understand this is for real. You know what? Whenever it feels like God, the Holy Spirit is stirring in your heart, correcting you on some things, it's because he wants to save you pain. He wants to save you from sin. The next one, disapproving. You're going to say, yeah, my dad was kind of disapproving. You know what? I'm going to be honest with this. None of us, anyone here perfect? No? Me neither. <laughs> there, are some, there are times that God is going to speak to you in your heart of the things in your life that he disapproves of. Correct. Why? Because he is a loving heavenly father and he's not going to just let you continue on in your life. He's going to give you every opportunity to let you know, God, don't do that, don't do that. It would be the same as, as far as like, what if you're a kid playing with a, a kid that is playing with people that are leading them down the wrong path. I mean, how many of you can recall your parents, your dad talking to you, I don't like you playing with them. I don't approve of what they're, how they act. You're not like that. It's okay to have the Heavenly Father give some disapproval of the things in our life that we need to change. Why? Because he loves us. Not because he just wants to point out all of our flaws. He loves us. Kind. Another easy one to ascribe to our Heavenly Father. I love the, I love uh, it's Psalm 136. It says, for the Lord is good. His mercy and loving kindness is everlasting. His faithfulness endures to all generations. I think it's Psalm 140 or somewhere in that. At the end of every verse, it says his loving kindness is everlasting. It's like 18 verses long. Every single one, his loving kindness is everlasting. We need to understand that our God is a kind, loving Father who has you at the forefront of his thoughts. You know, if you want to get to know God, you want to know what he is like, the easiest way to figure out exactly how God would interact is to read the Gospels. It says that Jesus is the perfect picture, the perfect representation of God. If you want to see how God would respond in a situation, go read the Gospels. And I want to close out with this Scripture here in John, uh, I know we're going to skip over, skip over one, if we could go just right to John 8, for sa- or John uh, 14 for sake of time. It's a little bit of a long verse, but the setup is, is here comes Jesus, he's coming to the end, of, the end of his time here on earth, and he's kind of given his final thoughts, his final considerations to his disciples, letting them know that, hey guys, this is the end of my road that you're going to see me with, but it's not the end of the journey. And it says, starting in verse 6, it just says, And I, I, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And now I think this, I think this is here, this next verse is a great, great showcase that Jesus did deal with perspective issues. 
people thought of God in one way that wasn't really how God was. And he wanted to change it. It says, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. And here's Philip. God bless him. I mean, but I'm, it's not like I'm, I'm, it's not like I'm any elevated status better than Philip here. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Philip's kind of getting it. Okay, I understand, Jesus, you're going, just show me who the Father is, and I'll hold on. But here's Jesus' response, and it's obviously Philip is still fighting with that perspective of who God is in his mind versus who God truly is. Jesus said to him, have I been, been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you even say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I don't speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Here we go. What was that first scripture that we looked at in Ephesians? God is above all, through all, in all. Father of all. Believe me that I am the Father and the Father is me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. I think what Jesus is trying to say is, Philip, guys, I'm, if you're seeing me, you're seeing my dad. And I love you. He loves you. And whenever I leave here, I'm going to do everything so that he will, so he sees you just like me. Ask anything. Ask anything, he'll do it. Why? Because Jesus knows that whatever he would have asked for, Jesus, that God would have done it. That's why it makes so much sense to Jesus. Just ask. I'm going to the Father. I represent the Father. Believe. And he's saying, if you, if you don't believe me for what I'm saying, believe everything you've seen in the last three years is evidence. Jesus is like pulling out all the stops to say, guys, change your perspective of the Father. He loves you. He'll do anything. And he did. You know, as we come to a close here today, the most important decision that you could possibly make is recognizing that your heavenly Father loves you more than anything you can imagine. And you know, I want to give everyone the opportunity, two things as we go. One, you might say, you know what, I... I've been a Christian, I know God, but I think my perspective on my father is pretty far off. I just want to say a general prayer, and what I want us to do is just in our hearts, I want you, if that's you, I, I just, I, man, as I was doing this message, just preparing for it, that was the big thing that I wanted to pray is, the Holy Spirit let me know that there's some folks here that have some broken perspectives of who God is because of their father. I was praying for you this week, and I'm praying for you right now that God would change your perspective of who the Heavenly Father is. So with everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, everyone being respectful. If 
you to say, you know what, I, Pastor Ben, I think I have a bad perspective of who God is because of maybe my dad or other fatherly figures in my life. And I want to change that today. What I want to do is I want to pray for you that God would open your heart, open the eyes of your understanding, that you would see God for who he is, a gracious, loving, caring dad. That's you today, and you say, you know what, I, I need some help changing that perspective. God's grace is here right now for it. I just want you to raise your hand. No one looking around. Everyone being respectful. You say, I, I, Pastor Ben, I want to change my perspective on my Heavenly Father. That's good. Everyone pray this together with me. Say, God, I ask, you would help me see you as you truly are. Help me not assume. Help me not guess. Help me know you. Thank you for loving me. And one more thing before we go. The only way the Father, and we read that, is through the Son. The only way to have a relationship with your Heavenly Father is to ask Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life. The Bible says it's very simple. You decide that you cannot save yourself. You decide that you want to spend eternity in heaven. You decide that you want God as your Father, and all you have to do is ask that Jesus Christ would be the Lord of your life. Before we go, I want to make sure that everyone has had that opportunity. So with head bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around, everyone being respectful, most important thing we'll do today, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, you've never done that, I want you to raise your hand. Most important thing you'll ever do is ask Jesus Christ to be your your Savior, to have God as your Father. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, God, I believe you want to be my Father. Jesus, I believe you died for me, you rose from the dead, and I can be in the family of God because of you. Save me, Jesus. Forgive me, Jesus. Amen. It's good to know God is our Father. Amen. Amen. It's good. It's good.